a car, a flashlight, a TV remote control, a cell phone. These everyday objects all have one thing in common, and that is that 99 times out of 100, if they don't work, it's because the battery is dead. Or there are no batteries in the remote control at all because somebody swiped them to run some other little device in the house. But no battery, no go. No energy or no juice, and the car won't start, the flashlight won't shine, you can't make a phone call, you can't turn on the TV. Well, the disciples turned apostles learned a similar lesson after Jesus rose again from the dead. If they did not have the right divine energy within them, they could do nothing. Today on Groundwork, we'll think about Pentecost and how the Holy Spirit is exactly what we need to share our faith with the world. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose. This is now the third episode in a four-part series that we're doing on sharing our faith. And so uh, in the first two episodes, we looked at the Great Commission, and also we looked at the manner, how do we witness uh, in the world? We looked at that in the second episode. Now in this third episode, we're going to think about Pentecost. But before we quite get there, Daryl, we need to note some of the places in Scripture where Jesus made it clear the disciples were going to need something extra if they were ever going to be able to witness. Yes, God, it's really interesting that, I mean, they hung out with Jesus and they seen everything that he did, but it seems that even though all that happened, they still needed some more oomph, if you will. And I think about power and I think about the things we plug in all the time. If we don't plug them in, they don't work. And so it is a conduit and an energy that is necessary in order to get that thing done. And this is what the Holy Spirit does for them. Exactly. You made an interesting point, Daryl. These men, these disciples, uh, the wider crowd of disciples, men and women both, they got to hear the Sermon on the Mount in person. They got to see Jesus raise Lazarus in person. They were there. You'd think that'd be enough. But uh, Jesus uh, made it clear. Now you're going to need need something more. Yeah, being with me was good. That's an impressive thing to put on the resume. You know, follow Jesus for four years. That, that's good on a resume. <laughs> but even at the end of the Gospel of Luke, uh, Daryl, in Luke 24, Jesus appears to them in the evening of the day of the resurrection. And we're told, beginning at verse 45, then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Mm-hmm. He told them, this is what's written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. Now, you are witnesses of these things, but I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So Jesus makes it clear these things are supposed to happen, but he also makes it clear that they're supposed to wait. And it's interesting because he gives the Great Commission in another gospel, but then he tells them to wait before they actually go. So they don't have everything they need to get this job done yet, but they have to follow these instructions so that they may receive it. Jesus said something uh, similar uh, in in John 15. This is the night in which Jesus was betrayed. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify for you've been with me from the beginning. He also says this here in Acts chapter one. He says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's like progressively revealing each time that there's something coming. Yep. You know, what's interesting, Daryl, is clearly this was the plan of salvation all along, right? It's not as though... 
the father and the son after the ascension said, oh, boy, these, these disciples need help. I mean, they are clueless. We're going to have to figure something else out. We're going to have to go to plan B. Better send the spirit. No, nope, this was the plan from the beginning. You know, something I always pray every time I pray, Scott, is that God is in complete control of every situation. He's not in heaven twiddling his thumbs. We're not going to happen next, right. but he knows exactly what he's doing. He had a date on the calendar for this very moment. So the fact that God is doing this lets us know clearly this was always going to be part of the plan, that the triune God works together and the Holy Spirit's role is coming up right here. That's right. Sometimes this is called the economy of salvation. If you go to seminary, the economy of salvation, what's that mean? This guy means the arrangement of salvation. So it's like the three persons in the Trinity, they each kind of had a job to do, if you want to kind of put it crassly, but right, the father was going to superintend the whole project of salvation. The son, the second person of the Trinity, that was the one who would be made human. And the one we now know is Jesus. That was going to be his task. And then the Holy Spirit's job was going to really kick in in the era of the church. Now, the Spirit's been active all along, and the Spirit descended on Jesus in his baptism. It's not like the Spirit was twiddling his thumbs either, but it's really the era of the church where in that economy of salvation, the Spirit's job really takes on a very prominent role. Jesus actually talked about this before the Spirit came. He said, he, when the Spirit of truth comes, number one, he's going to guide you into all truth. Number two, he's not going to speak anything on his own accord. He's only going to speak what he hears. He's going to take from what is mine and make it known to you. So then when Jesus goes, he's like, I'm glad that I'm going because when I go, I will be able to send you this gift that's going to help you with this next phase of the church and in ministry. Right. And that was interesting. Jesus was, as you just said, Daryl, kind of excited. Uh, it's good for you that I'm going to go away. The disciples didn't quite see it that way. They wanted to keep Jesus. I mean, you can understand. He was their friend. He was their teacher. They didn't want to be apart from him. But for Jesus says, believe you me, you will be better off without me with the Holy Spirit in you. Yes. You'll still speak for me. You'll still be connected to me. We will have a living relationship together. But it's going to be the Holy Spirit that's going to make that all possible. As well, as we said, Daryl, everything else that happens in the church, right? Every gift, as Paul makes clear in like 1 Corinthians, every gift anybody has is from the Holy Spirit. We all have to grow the fruit of the Spirit. That's the Spirit nurturing that on the, the branches of our lives. Every time you or I, any other preacher, dare preach a sermon, it's the Holy Spirit who works through it. So the Spirit's power is present and actively working because Jesus ascended and he sent the Holy Spirit down here. So not only does he give us the power to build those things, he gives us the power to endure suffering, persecution, and opposition. The Holy Spirit gives us the strength to endure and gives us the boldness and the courage we need to persevere. So not only is he doing those great things with gifts and power, but he's also given us the fortitude and the stick if you will, to make sure that we do not give up. Up our faith that he has given us. And he infuses every person all at the same time. That's something Jesus couldn't do as a person. He could be in one place at one time, but the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at the same time. Yeah, and in fact, in the um, next episode in this series, we're going to go delve a little bit into the book of Acts, where we're going to see that the Spirit pops up just all over the place. Uh, but that's been happening uh, ever since the day of Pentecost. The Spirit is, as one of my teachers once called, a holy blur of activity. I mean, nobody could keep up with the Spirit. Nobody can predict what the Spirit's going to do next. Nobody can really fathom how much the Spirit of God is doing right now as you and I are recording this episode, Daryl, we can't even begin to fathom all the places within the church and within the life of every single Christian believer, millions and millions of people on earth right now, 
Oh, it's mind-boggling to think about how much the Spirit is doing. Talk about multitasking. That's true. That's true. And that all started with Pentecost. And that's what we're going to look at in just a moment. So stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. You're listening to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Daryl, let's dig right back into Scripture. At the end of the last uh, segment of this uh, episode, we said we're going to go to Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. So let's hear it. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Jerusalem, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some of them, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. So there is the story and quite a litany of uh, people there. I was glad you read that and I didn't have to try (laughs) to get my tongue around all those names. But we should notice that those people were all there that day because what we now call the Day of Pentecost, they call it the Day of Pentecost too, it was an established Jewish holiday. The end of what was called the Feast of Weeks, 50 days after Passover. It was kind of like in the U.S. or Canada, Thanksgiving Day. It was the end of the harvest, so you gave Thanksgiving. But it was also a time for covenant renewal. But point being, it was a holiday for them, same as Christmas or Easter is for us. So that's why there were so many people from all over the known world in Jerusalem that day. So every good practicing Orthodox Jew goes to Jerusalem three times a year. They go for the Passover. They go for the Feast of Booths, where they remember they were staying in tents back in the day with Moses. And then they also remember this. So every year, three times a year, Jesus would go up, as was his custom, is what Scripture says. And so all of these people are there for this particular one that's 50 days after the Passover. And that's why they call it Pentecost, because that's what that means. Yep. And the first thing that happens with this international gathering of people was a reversal of the Tower of Babel that we read about in Genesis 11. There, the language was diversified, so the people would scatter and fill the earth. Here, language, it's reversed. It's Now language is no, no barrier. The scholars, Daryl, as you know, debate, was this a miracle of speaking? Were the apostles actually speaking all these different languages? 
or was it a miracle of hearing that whatever that maybe the disciples were still speaking Aramaic, but everybody heard it in their own language, or maybe it was a little of both. We don't know. But the point being, every person there from every corner of the world received a gift that they could hear the gospel in their own language. You know, you brought up the Tower of Babel, and and I was thinking that when they were building the tower, they were trying to build a name for themselves. And so they were all in this Mm. one language and they had this thing in common. And God's like, well, I'm not going to let that happen because you're trying to make a name for yourself. But then God reverses it here and he wants to make a name for himself. God wants to make a name for God's self. And he will use every language to make sure that his glory is made known. I believe it's both. I think that it's hearing and speaking where that blessing and power came so that now the gospel can go out in the native tongue of whoever was there. And that's good because other than the rush of wind and the tongues of flame, really the first thing that happens, uh, and for all of us who are preachers, we kind of like this, the first thing the Spirit enables is a sermon. Peter, just 53 days earlier, Peter had been so afraid that he had denied even knowing Jesus three times. That was 53 days ago, not quite two months ago. And now the Holy Spirit comes, and let's hear a few highlights of Peter's sermon here from Acts 2, beginning at verse 14. Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man credited by God to you by miracles, wonders, signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. They said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That first sermon that you just read, I actually encourage you to go back to mm-hmm. read the whole chapter of chapter two of Acts. Um, but you definitely see the Spirit working. The Spirit is pulling Scripture from the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. He's giving them a cocktail to help them understand the history of what they did. He's also giving them what they should do in light of the conviction that the Holy Spirit is bringing on the people. And you see the Spirit working all through this. And, you know, 3,000 people were added that day. That's what Scripture says happened because of the power of the Spirit working through Peter. Now, how did that happen, Daryl? I mean, did Peter, uh, you know, find some inner courage he didn't know he had? Did the disciples? exchanged knowing glances and they made some group determination that they were going to try something new. No No way. No, this is a movement of God. This is the power that can only come from above. This is the same power that Jesus actually operated in in his person and work while he was on the earth. And this is the same spirit that 
they are actually employing his power and authority. And just like Jesus said, it's coming to pass now. He's reminding them of everything he's taught. He's teaching them and he's speaking. And then the Holy Spirit is bringing them the exact words they need to do. Had nothing to do with human willpower. Had nothing to do with training. It had to do with the Spirit giving them exactly what they needed. That's encouragement for me, Scott, because I don't know what I'm going to say all the time. I don't always have the courage, but the Holy Spirit, he can fill my words. And then it could be him working through it. And something you said just a minute ago, Daryl, is very important. He reminded them. That's what Jesus actually said in John's gospel. What's the Spirit going to do? Bring you something you've never heard before? No. He's going to remind them of everything they heard Jesus say. They already had the raw material. They knew. They had already heard from Jesus' lips everything they needed to know. They just needed the Holy Spirit to kind of bring it all together in coherence and then open their lips to repeat what Jesus had said. And that's a very encouraging thing uh, also for our, our witness. So we're going to talk a little bit more about what this Pentecostal power means for us even yet today. So stay tuned. What does it look like to honor and serve God in your marriage and family? Visit FamilyFire.com to discover how you can better live out your faith in the context of your relationships. At FamilyFire.com, you'll find articles and devotions curated to encourage you to stoke the Holy Spirit's flame in your home. You'll also find an online community that can help you explore what it means to follow the Holy Spirit's lead in your family as a spouse, parent, or even an in-law. Join the community and be encouraged at FamilyFire.com. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork. And we're talking about the Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, but now we want to talk about the ongoing effects of Pentecost. Daryl, when we get baptized into the triune name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now we receive the Holy Spirit too. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. And so that means that some of uh, what we saw happen on that day of Pentecost can still happen in our lives. If you just think through history, you know that the Holy Spirit does work and he's been working all over the place in different countries and in different languages because of the power of Pentecost and because of the people who I believe were there that day started taking that story home, but they also got saved. So now he's living inside of the people who were there. They get to share their faith and their testimony wherever they go. And you see God moving and you see it all over the book of Acts as well. And we're going to look at this a little bit also in uh, the final episode of this series. But if we jump ahead to Acts chapter 10, Peter Peter gets sent to a group of people he doesn't really want to talk to because they're not Jewish and he wasn't sure that not kosher. Uh, they weren't kosher. They were they were Italian Gentiles, Cornelius and company. But the Holy Spirit says to Peter, "You got to go to Italy. You got to go to these people's house." So he does. And when he's there, he preaches a sermon very similar to the one he preached on Pentecost. It's kind of a shortened version of it. And we read this in Acts ten at verse forty four. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, the Jews who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And so then they were baptized and Peter stayed with them. But this will keep happening, right? Every time the message of Jesus is proclaimed, the Holy Spirit, if the Spirit's blowing in the room, Daryl, he's, he's going to 
save more people. And that's exactly what the mission is. The mission is to go and make disciples of all nations. That's what Jesus told the apostles to do. And as that message continues to get out about what Jesus did, his person and his work, the Holy Spirit not only gives the messenger words, but he also falls on the people and their hearts are convicted and changed. It happens for me. It happened for you. Happened for a lot of people who are listening. And it continues to happen because Pentecost was the head where all that began. And God is continuing that work even to this day. Exactly. From the Old Testament prophetic book of Zechariah, one of the minor prophets, there's one verse that many people know. You may not know much about the minor prophets, but a lot of people know this line from Zechariah chapter 4, The God speaks this word to the then king of Israel, Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And that's a slogan for us in the church today too, Daryl. It's not about how cool our slogan is. It's not about what kind of a gimmick we can come up with each season. It's about the Holy Spirit working working through us, we ask him to make us vessels. We ask him to make us conduits by which his glory may work through. And so that means we get no credit. We get no honor because God is the one that is working through us to make sure that people come to know him. We're privileged and we're humbled that we actually get that opportunity to do that. But it's the Holy Spirit who does that. And as a preacher, I'm a preacher. You're a preacher. We know we beg Jesus and we pray that he would fill us with the words that people need to hear. They keep changing and different people come in. Maybe a visitor may come in. But God wants to speak to every person in that moment. And we need his spirit to work through us. And it's encouraging every time he does it because our sermons, they might not be amazing all the time. But God all still can use them. That's right. Well, and I mean, uh, from our standard, at least. of course. But you and I both have been thanked for things we didn't say. Right? <laughs> I mean, people heard something in the sermon that we didn't say. I mean, you could show them the manuscript. Look, I don't, you know, no, don't do that. But they heard the spirit said something to them through our sermon, or they apply it in a way that I, as a preacher, have been living with the sermon all week. I wouldn't in a million years have guessed that somebody could have applied it that way, but that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit works through us, and that's true for all of us. So you don't have to be a preacher, right? I'm reminded of what you were just saying earlier, Paul's words in in 2 Corinthians, you know, that that we have this treasure, the gospel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, jars of clay. Uh, You know, we're, we're weak, Paul said. We're weak earthen vessels, and God has poured his treasure into us, but weak though we are, The message and the spirit who works through the message is powerful. So we just got to say what we know is true, and the Holy Spirit will do the rest when we share our faith with other people. It's beautiful because sometimes we think we need to know just what to say or or have this specific training. We have to remember Peter and John were ordinary, unschooled people. Yeah, fisher people. They didn't go to seminary like we did, um, but they actually had the Holy Spirit working with them because they were testified as people who had been with Jesus. And so, you know, God is into using regular, ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And we can trust that God will use his Holy Spirit, who is supernatural and extraordinary, to work through our regular words to help people. And that's reassuring because we all sometimes, depending on the circumstance, we're, we can be shy about uh, sharing our faith. Sometimes we are scared to share our faith or really hesitant. And sometimes the reason is because, well, I, yeah, I don't have the right words. I'm not eloquent. But we could be reassured. 
it's not about us, in a sense. Now, that doesn't mean we can just be quiet. We don't ever say, well, I don't have to witness to my coworker because if God wants him to be saved, to be saved. Doesn't mean, no, you might want him to be saved through you right. uh, and through what you say in the break room. We're going to talk a little bit about that in the last episode of this series, just some common everyday things we can do. But there is some, I find, comfort, uh, Daryl, in the idea that it's not finally about me. It's about the Holy Spirit working through me. And I don't have to crank up eloquence. I don't have to crank up rhetorical techniques. I don't have to have a certificate from some evangelism school to do it. I just got to be me and let the Holy Spirit take it from there. And we have great assurance through the witness of Scripture that amazing things can happen when, when we let go and let God and let the Spirit do what the Spirit does best. If we look at the story about the disciples, we realize that they have the raw materials already because they've been hanging around Jesus. Right. They've been listening to Jesus for the last three and a half years and his teaching and everything. But then the Holy Spirit takes that raw material to another level. And I feel like sometimes I have raw materials. I feel like I don't always have everything that I need. But then I'm reminded that the scripture tells us we have everything we need for life and godliness thanks to the power of the Holy Spirit in us. And he is coming back to what you started with. He's the juice. He's the power in order to get these things done. And we need need that. And that's more than enough for us. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you for listening and digging deeply into scripture with Groundwork. We hope you'll join us again next time as we study passages of scripture that teach us how we share our faith and multiply disciples of Jesus today. Connect with us now at our website, groundworkonline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit ReframeMinistries.org for more information and to find more resources to encourage your faith. We're your host, Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose. Our recording engineer is Don Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacobs.